Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Rebecca Parekh, co-founder and CEO of The Well, your one-stop shop for wellness, bringing Eastern and Western healing modalities under one roof in Manhattan. The Well offers everything from acupuncture and lymphatic drainage to meditation classes, health coaching, and one-on-one functional medicine sessions with Chief Medical Officer Dr. Frank Littman, one of my favorite functional doctors. With locations in NYC, Costa Rica, and Connecticut, The Well helps people feel their best by integrating modern medicine and ancient healing to deliver whole person care. In this episode, Rebecca shares all about her inspiration and mission for starting The Well, along with some of her favorite treatments and wellness practices to feel her best. We chat about simple ways to add more joy and mindfulness in your day at home, tips for sleep and time management, what's next in wellness and food policy, and how to make small changes so that wellness is easier, more joyful, less strict, and accessible to all. Keep listening to hear all about Rebecca. I'm so excited to share with you our newest product line, Purely Elizabeth Superfood Cereal with Vitamin D. We just launched two insanely delicious varieties exclusive at Whole Foods Market, Vanilla Blueberry Almond and Honey Peanut Butter. Our new cereals are unlike anything in the market. Each box is full of the good stuff. Deliciously crispy oat and ancient grain flakes and crunchy superfood clusters with organic oats, quinoa, and chia. Intentionally crafted with whole food ingredients to deliver both taste and nutrition. Our cereals are made with organic, plant-based vitamin D3 to provide an excellent source of vitamin D in every serving. They're sweetened with sustainably sourced coconut sugar and provide five grams of protein and an excellent source of fiber in every serving to start your day off right. Plus, they're certified gluten-free and non-GMO project verified. Trust me, this is going to be your new favorite breakfast or late night snack that tastes absolutely delicious in milk and actually stays crunchy. The mix of flavors and textures leave you feeling satisfied and full. So head on over to your local Whole Foods Market and stock up on our new superfood cereals. You'll thank me later. Enjoy! Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so excited to hear all about the well. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. I'm excited to be here. So let's start at the beginning of your personal wellness journey and really what inspired you to launch the well? What were you doing beforehand? My journey to the well really first and foremost was me as a consumer looking for something like this in my life. I was looking for a space where I could meet all my own wellness needs, which was something very near and dear to my heart, really starting at a young age. I grew up around wellness. My mom was actually teaching yoga in the seventies when she was pregnant with me. Um, So I've really been practicing my whole life. But, you know, the philosophy of food is medicine. It was a big part of my mom's values and a big part of what she instilled in us growing up. You know, Where did you grow up? I grew up just outside New York City in a suburb of New Jersey. Okay. And, you know, my grandparents had a daily meditation practice. I'm half Indian, so I spent many summers in India with my family. You know, I was familiar with Ayurveda and sort of I'd had exposure to a lot of these wellness modalities, 
My mom studied Reiki when I was in middle school and took me to Tai Chi workshops and Qigong. Um, so cool. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really cool. My mother is, uh, she's a very special woman and for sure exposed me to lots of really interesting things. And so, you know, fast forward, I'm living in New York City in my early 20s, working at an investment bank, living a life that felt very disconnected from much of those wellness rituals that had predated my professional life. And I really wanted to find a way to integrate the two interests. I loved my job. I loved what I was doing at the time. I felt really inspired by New York City, by the industry that I worked in. So I wasn't really looking for a life change per se. I was just looking for a space where I could go and really benefit from these modalities integrated in one space. We spend so much time running around New York City trying to get from point A to point B that it felt like even just co-locating a couple different types of services would be incredibly valuable. So I had the opportunity to go to a destination spa in Sedona, Arizona in the fall of 2009. I was actually on my way to a work conference and my colleagues suggested that we visit this place. And I just had- What was the name of the spa? It was Miyamo. Okay. I've heard that's amazing. It's incredible. I'd never been there before and it's a really magical place. I mean, Sedona in general is an incredible location, but Miyama was really special. And I had such a great experience and a wonderful trip. And I felt really inspired, wanted to figure out how to bring that integrated model to a city like New York. So I remember sitting in the meditation dome that morning and thinking, I have to figure out how to bring this to New York. This needs to exist in New York City. So really that was the seed of the idea. I had a craniosacral treatment during that trip, which I'd never experienced before. So I sort of reflect back to how I felt when I got off that table. And I'm, I'm fairly certain that that sort of opened a door or a portal of sorts, but that was really when I became so inspired. So again, that was 2009. So a long time ago, came back to New York City, stayed with my job, you know, next couple of years went by, couldn't stop thinking about this idea. I eventually left finance in 2011 and I started a healthcare nonprofit and I was working on funding research grants studying neuroscience, specifically in the realm of eating disorders, better understanding what happens on a neuroscience level and what's happening with your, in your brain for those who are navigating eating disorders. So that work was really interesting and really uh, led me actually to meet Deepak Chopra, who was looking for somebody to join his team at the time and to come on and work for him as his chief operating officer for a new business that we were building. So I had the chance to work for Deepak. And at this point, you know, we're sort of around 2013. And I was still coming back to this idea of this wellness center. And so now I had the opportunity to meet all these incredible doctors and clinicians and really realize that not only was I as a consumer looking for a space like this, there were a lot of practitioners and providers that were really looking to practice in a more integrated model. Physical therapists wanted to learn from yoga teachers. Acupuncturists were interested in Ayurveda and Ayurvedic herbs. And so I saw this incredible opportunity to help really build bridges and connect the dots across these modalities. So in 2016, I decided to focus on this full time and, and start the journey of the well. Wow. And then what, so 2016, you left Deepak. And then how long did it take from there to eventually opening the space? And when did the space open? We opened our first location in September of 2019. I stopped working for Deepak in 2015 and spent most of 2016 really figuring out the business plan and deciding, you know, what I felt the business model should look like and really sort of trying to navigate how much space we needed, how big the offering could be or would be. I have two incredible co-founders and partners that I'd known, e that we'd known each other socially for a very long time. We've been friends through a mutual friend of ours. 
And we came together professionally in 2016 to start the business together. So we started fundraising. You know, we we raised an initial seed round pre-opening that allowed us to secure our first location, start construction, build out the space. We then raised our Series A financing pre-opening as well, and then got our doors open in the fall of 2019. So exciting. So tell us a little bit, for those who don't know, really the mission behind the well and and kind of an overview of everything that you do and offer there. Sure. You know, the well is really meant to be your one-stop shop for wellness. My mission was really to create an opportunity for wellness to be more easeful and if possible, more joyful. It felt like it could often seem really daunting to navigate so many of your wellness goals living in a city like New York. So we bring together Western medicine, ancient healing modalities. We have a full functional medicine offering, Ayurveda, acupuncture. We have a whole movement program where we offer classes like yoga and Qigong and Pilates. We have a really extensive bodywork menu, like deeply believe that massage is medicine. And so that's a really big part of our offering, energy healing, and we have a full service restaurant. So food is absolutely our love language. We get really passionate about the food that we serve and the way that we source and, and feed our community. It sounds like heaven. And as, as I said before we got recording, like I'm so sad that I'm not living in New York at this time having that because especially in a city like New York where like you just want that quiet space to escape in such a crazy city, it sounds like such an amazing oasis. And I think another thing that I love about what you're doing is it's really daunting back to your point about daunting it's really daunting as a consumer to find like hey i want to get acupuncture if you google like acupuncture in what wherever you live like that's a really hard thing to to i think trust and know like you might find a random person in a random space but to be able to go somewhere where they're offering all these different modalities i think makes it so much easier on the consumer side to really trust and know like, okay, this is a reputable place and I know I can go there to get X, Y, and Z that I've never experienced before. Exactly. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, just figuring out having that trusted source, I think is a really big piece of it. I think that's a big part of what people love about the well is they feel really good about the quality of the providers in our space. It's something that is really important to us and something that we care deeply about. And so I think being able to provide a trusted source of services, of content and information, that's a really big part of our mission as a brand. Right now, what would you say with all the different offerings are the most requested? Is it body work? Is it, you know, just the pure functional medicine? What what does that look like for you guys? It really runs the gamut. I mean, I would say for sure body work is one of our, you know, our most requested offering. You know, we have, as I mentioned, a very vast array of services. So we do dry brushing and lymph drainage. We have, you know, your classic deep tissue. We offer sort of some more targeted modalities like neuromuscular and um, a a treatment that's really targeted towards um, more sort of through the lens of myofascial release and sports medicine. So different folks to us come to us for different reasons in terms of body work and massage. Um, We also then have our whole energy medicine offering as well. So I think body work is definitely a big one. Functional medicine as well. You know, as you mentioned, you know, I think we have really had the the opportunity to work with folks who have navigated chronic illnesses for a really long time and share with us that, you know, they have not been able to get relief and they are able through our truly holistic integrated model 
really experience symptom relief and get to the root cause of what's been going on in a way that they hadn't been able to do before. You know, I think it's something that our providers really, really enjoy in practicing their craft at the well is that when you are working with a patient who is navigating something and you want to recommend acupuncture or yoga or a certain diet, the fact that you can just go right upstairs and do those things is really beneficial. We also have a whole team of health coaches who really are just partners on your journey, right? So working with our health coaches, you're getting great nutrition guidance and information, but really even more than that, it's just, you know, someone to sort of help you navigate your path. We really, really spend a lot of time working with our customers, sort of digging into what wellness means for them. It's so different for different people. You know, we feel like wellness is so much more than green juice and yoga. It is, you know, what does your community look like? What is your sense of purpose? How do you feel? What do you enjoy doing, right? Are you creating space to do the things that bring you joy? And starting with those conversations, it really opens the door for a deeper understanding that's really patient-led, you know, where we're there to ask questions and offer services to say, you know, how can we serve you? What are you looking for? And how can we help you find that for yourself? It's a really personalized model. And we're really in conversation with folks all the time. And then to be able to offer the experiences and the tools right there in our space, it's really impactful. And, you know, it's also really enjoyable for our folks. And Frank Lipman is part of your functional medicine department, right? He is. Yes. Frank is our chief medical officer. He is so wonderful, and we are very lucky to to work with him. I recently sent my parents to him after having him on the podcast, and they've been feeling great since talking to him. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Frank is remarkable. One of my favorite things that he said when we first met is that he went from quack to guru. Um, (laughs) Sort of given like what he's seen, right? I mean, Frank has been, you know, really at the forefront and pioneering so much you know, of the, of the work in integrative health for, for his whole career. And so it's truly such a pleasure to work with Frank and to learn from him and to really have his leadership and his, his wisdom building our practice and, and guiding our team. What do you find, obviously people come to the well for a plethora of reasons, some just relaxation, some whatever different health concerns. If you were to summarize kind of top three concerns that you see And especially I'd imagine in New York, it's probably a lot around stress, but curious to hear what those top concerns look like. Definitely a lot around stress. Uh, Your instincts are right there for sure. And really specifically stress and anxiety, even more so post-COVID, you know, really hearing so many folks that are really trying to navigate a lot, you know, navigating trauma from the last few years, navigating lingering anxiety directly correlated to the pandemic, navigating general anxiety related to a number of other things. So anxiety and stress is a big one for us. Gut health is also a big one for us. You know, we really see a lot of chronic digestion issues or or other things such as low energy or, you know, concerns around skin health, right? Eczema, things like that, where when we kind of dig into it, some of it is really starting systemically in the gut. So that's a big part of our offering. So I would say those are, are two of the bigger ones. What do you think is the most underrated treatment that you offer? That is a great question. Or like something that you'd be surprised to be like, oh, it's just like a foot massage, but actually there's so many benefits, you know, something that people would gloss over. You know, I would say Qigong. 
And I say Qigong because, you know, I, I feel like, I mean, there's so many benefits to so many things we offer. And, you know, so I could kind of go down this path on all of them. <laughs> but I think Qigong, because I just think it is something that we're so excited to be able to offer. And it's something that has been around for such a long time. And it is so popular um, in other parts of the world. And it is so evidence-based in its efficacy, the impact on your nervous system, on your physical health, on your mental health. It's fairly well-researched and yet it's something that's not really easy to find a, a Qigong offering in, in most communities. And so um, we get really excited that we have these classes that we can offer. What's your favorite treatment? If you could only do one thing. My favorite treatment is, so we have a bodywork offering called the integration um, where you can integrate a few different modalities with one or more therapists. So I usually do a combo of a deep tissue massage as well as some lymph drainage and dry brushing. Sounds heavenly. So for people who aren't in New York or who can't go to the well, what are some tips that you would say to feel your best that you can kind of do on your own at home that you've kind of taken away the lessons that you offer in person that we can do at home? I would say, so a couple of things. I think one is just creating mindful mornings. I think the way you start your day really has the power to set a tone for the day, for the week, and really can have a big impact. So, you know, even something as simple as just getting a few moments of intentional morning light first thing when you wake up before you jump into that phone. And, you know, whether if you have a yoga practice or a meditation practice and, and that could be part of your morning, great. If that feels elusive or daunting, you know, even something as simple as, you know, finding a mindful moment in the mundane. Like, for example, you know, when you brush your teeth, right, feeling the bristles on your teeth, feeling the suds in your mouth, the sound of the water, just taking those 30 seconds, something that you're going to do no matter what, and um, let it be a little still. So that's definitely one recommendation. I think, you know, another thing, something that's very sort of a hallmark at the well is our thoughtful design, right? When you enter our spaces, you really have a physiological response. You feel good. And people often, they say that the minute they walk in the door and sometimes folks ask why, you know, and I think, I think it's a number of things, you know, we were really thoughtful about the way that we designed the space, um, the textures, the colors, the scent that's diffused throughout, even just the way the light is diffused, um, the height of the ceilings, the amount of, you know, stuff that's in the space. So I think, you know, create that experience in your home, especially plants. We have so many plants in the well. So whether it's just simply, you know, taking an afternoon to declutter a little bit, adding some more plants to your space, um, just sort of spending some time clearing out your environment so that it feels really nurturing and good. I think that can have a really big impact, especially, you know, we're all spending so much time in our homes with hybrid work still. So I just think that investing in in making your home environment as serene as you can is certainly a worthwhile endeavor. Um, That's it. Spending time in nature, you know, some of our, you know, our retreat centers are in really remote, beautiful places, but, you know, even in New York City, when you walk in off, you know, loud Fifth Avenue into our space, it does feel a bit like a retreat. And I think some of that is there are so many services where you're encouraged to put down your phone. So, you know, use nature as an opportunity to get outside, look at the leaves, look at the trees, leave your phone at home and just create those moments for yourself. And then, you know, I would say just in general, cultivate joy. You know, I, I sort of mentioned when you asked really about the mission for the well, and it's, you know, making wellness feel easier, but also more joyful, you know, and I think that, you know, talk about something that's, you know, underestimated in terms of its impact on your health, I would say joy for sure. 
And, you know, I think finding things that you enjoy doing and making time to do them, it seems so simple, but often it's just not something that we do. And so, you know, when I walk through our space and I see groups of friends laughing and coming out of yoga and sharing a meal and having fun conversations, you know, what I see is joy. And, you know, I think that's wellness. Yeah, absolutely. I had somebody on recently who talked about like creating a container of things that bring you joy. So writing down all the things, whether it's like something as simple as walking outside or something more elaborate that you wouldn't normally do, take a class, et cetera, and just like picking that piece of paper out of there, you know, every whatever couple of days to remind yourself to like really be in those joyful moments more. Mm -hmm. Exactly. My mom had, uh, growing up, we had a family friend who had a t-shirt that said, never postpone joy. I just always love that. I think of that so often, just never postpone joy. So let's talk about your mom for a second. What are some of the biggest like life lessons that you've learned from her? Because she sounds like an amazing person. Oh, she is the best. I feel like all the life lessons I've learned from her. (laughs) Um, Like what comes top of mind or something that's really been impactful? Well, the first word that comes to mind is just believe. My mom has been encouraging me to believe, you know, my whole life. I had a poster actually on my wall growing up that said, if you can imagine it, you can achieve it. If you can dream it, you can become it. It was one of those, you know, ballet posters, super inspirational, but I just looked at it every single day. And and even, you know, when I was, you know, leaving finance and and shifting gears to to work in nonprofits and healthcare, when I was leaving this incredible opportunity, I mean, you know, working for Deepak Chopra was such an honor. He's so remarkable. I really loved what I was doing. So often when I was sort of making these career transitions, it felt a little crazy to people outside of, you know, my world just being like, well, why you're so happy? And, you know, why are you making a change? And I just sort of always felt called to do these other things or sort of the next thing. It sort of felt like it was all connected, like I was on a path. But of course I would doubt myself and, you know, have a million questions. And my mom's voice was always in my head. She, she actually got me a sign that just said, believe early days. So I would say believe is a, is a big, is a, is a great piece of advice. And also step-by-step, you know, take overwhelming, daunting things become really just much more digestible when you break them into bite-sized pieces. Um, So to, to sort of worry less about 20 steps ahead and focus more on the step that's immediately in front of you and sort of figuring out how to navigate that in the best, most thoughtful way to sort of, you know, get yourself there eventually. So when you did decide to leave and move forward with the well, what was that like for you? Were you feeling like I'm just in in love and in passion for this idea and I'm going to feel the fear and do it anyway? Or what was that mentally for you? It was so exciting. I just felt like I I felt so inspired, so grateful to have the opportunity to do this. I felt so fortunate that I had the lived experience that prepared me to be in a position to be able to do the work. You know, the fact that I, you know, had, you know, 20 plus years of work experience that at the time I didn't know was preparing me for this. But when I look back, I'm like, oh, you know, it all kind of adds up and makes sense you know, had I not spent a decade working in finance and building businesses and understanding how that industry worked, you know, helping to raise money for hedge funds and different investment firms, I wouldn't have necessarily known how to even navigate that part of this business. So I'm very fortunate and grateful that I had that experience, you know, and I think that I just, I felt 
truly, truly, there was just such a massive need and that this needed to exist and that there was a huge opportunity here. And that if I just sort of took it day by day, we'd be able to create something great. So that's kind of still how I think about it. What's been some of the biggest challenges running the business? And I, I would assume also let's talk a little bit about COVID because certainly coming to a physical space um, had to be a pretty difficult time for you guys. Yes, COVID was definitely a curveball, um, not in the original business plan at all. We, you know, we, as I mentioned, we'd opened in September, 2019. So we were open for five months before we closed our doors. And we kept the Well New York closed for 13 months. Wow. So it was a really long time. We also have a product line. So we operate um, our physical spaces, but we develop products as well. And so we launched our, our first line of products in March of 2020. So they were originally planned to launch on our shelves in our store. Um, and so we very quickly built a direct consumer e-commerce business. Um, so the timing of that was really accelerated. We also were able to really focus on building some partnerships that allowed us to open um, more locations together, you know, as we evolved and made our way through COVID. So when I reflect back, there were actually tremendous opportunities and, you know, obviously such an incredible time to learn and grow, but it was hard. You know, I felt really responsible for our team, really responsible for our community, health, well-being, navigating, you know, going completely remote, closing our doors, figuring out how to sustain the business, right? Our investors were incredible. My board is incredible. Great advice, great guidance. But, you know, if you told me in March 2020 that we'd be closed for over a year, it's, you know, it's really crazy and wild to reflect back on it, but, but we got through it. Yeah. I love being able to hear those like silver linings of, Hey, it opened up this huge opportunity. So that's fantastic. And as you think about, or talk through a little bit about what those other locations, cause you mentioned retreat locations and for people who are traveling, what is that? Yeah. Like? We, um, so we opened our second location in Connecticut in Litchfield County, the well at Mayflower Inn and Spa. So that opened at the end of 2020. And then we opened our first international location in Costa Rica last November. So it's a really special place in the Talamanca Mountains. It is an incredible property and there's a wide offering for wellness services and culinary experiences and hiking trails. So um, definitely a great spot to visit. And then, yeah, we've got, we've got some new properties coming in the future. So I can share more on that later. So exciting. And how about from a D to C perspective, is that something that you're continuing to grow as well and expand your products? We still manufacture and make our products, but we are really focused on wholesale distribution through our development partners. So as we open new locations, you know, we use our products as the products that we use in all of our services and all of our different spas. And so you know, you can buy them online, but we are really focused on growing the physical spaces for now. And then, you know, do anticipate the products become a bigger part of our story in the coming years. So as someone who can experience all of these things at the well for you, I'm so curious to hear about like what your daily routine is and how you incorporate, because I feel like it could also be easy to, to be surrounded by that and then do none of it or take it up into your daily routine. And for someone who's been entrenched in this since, as you said, since birth, so it's really part of your DNA. So take us through a day, a typical day for you. Typical day. So one of my favorite parts of my day is my morning. So I have a really 
spacious morning. And that's very intentional. When I was working on a trading desk, you know, I was sprinting out of bed super early, running out the door, trying to get in a workout and trying to get to my desk, you know, before the 7 a.m. sales meeting. So my mornings were not slow at that time. And so one of the things that I carved out a few years ago was space in my morning to have my daily yoga practice, make breakfast, catch up on the news, do the things that, you know, really help ground me and, and set me up for a good day. So I wake up naturally. I'm pretty consistent with when I go to bed and when I wake up. So I like not having to set an alarm and I put on a pot of coffee and I do yoga. That's really the, the first way that I start my day. I, what kind of a yoga practice do you have? I, you know, I do a combination of different things. It's mostly a blend of, you know, sun salutations and, you know, stand, there's a, a, an Iyengar sequence that I learned in one of my teacher trainings and I incorporate a lot of those poses into sort of integrated sun salutations. And it really depends on the morning. You know, I have a great playlist, which I usually update kind of, I'd say about quarterly, sort of when I get in a mood for a different soundtrack. And so I love music. I love yoga. It just feels like a really easy way to start my morning. I remember wanting to start a daily meditation practice in the morning, and I found it very difficult to wake up and sit in meditation. My brain was going, my thoughts were racing. I was thinking about emails and what I needed to do. So somehow for me, just moving my body first and flowing through a yoga practice then allows me to sit for a few minutes. And then I just feel really grounded. But, you know, I think one of the biggest tricks for me early on when it felt like a little bit like a chore, when I was like, okay, I'm going to try to develop a morning practice. How do I do this? Is I just left my mat out. And so sometimes I would just sort of sit on my mat, not really planning to do yoga. And then your body kind of like, it just finds its way. Right. And so I sort of had these little, little tricks that sort of got me into the routine of a daily morning practice. And so once it's stuck, you know, it just, it feels like second nature. As you said, it's just sort of part of my DNA. So that is how I start my morning. I, I really like the news. Um, I'm really interested in politics. So I just read a lot, catch up on news, make breakfast, just sort of organize my thoughts for the day ahead. So that's my morning. And I would say that's one of the biggest anchors in my wellness routine throughout the week. I think, you know, in terms of other stuff, you know, evening wind down, sometimes I'm out late, whether it's work events with friends, sort of running around. So my evening routine varies, but I, I definitely love sleep and thankfully sleep well. You know, cold, dark room, I feel like works wonders for- Any for other tips for sleeping well? Yeah, I think, you know, the cold thermostat tip really was a game changer for me. So I feel that really does make a, a big difference. What do you I like re- your room to? 68. Okay. Yeah, nice and chilly. Chilly. Um, Super dark, no electronics. I don't have, you know, TV or phone in my room. I like the space to feel really serene. So that's something that I prioritize. I read fiction before bed. I find that it helps me wind down, just sort of takes my brain away and and kind of get lost in some other story. And that is super relaxing for me. So I like reading before bed as well. Um, and then other stuff, you know, I think I'm, I try to be really thoughtful with my schedule. I'm, I'm, I'm super busy as we all are, you know, I, I say yes to more things than I, than I can manage. And so I'm constantly navigating that as, as I'm sure you are, and all of these listeners are as well. So I think that is all of our, uh, you know, perpetual challenge. And I think one of the things that helps me is that I try to get ahead. You know, when we were chatting earlier, I, I was like, I'm a planner and I really am. So I, uh, I really try to get ahead of my schedule. So if I know I've got a couple busy weeks coming up, whether it's work travel or, you know, social travel and just nights out, I'll look at a calendar and I'll build in my anchors. I'll make sure that I have that night to just stay in, cook a meal, cook dinner, think my thoughts, listen to music, just chill out. Personally, I really need that downtime. 
I learned, and I didn't learn this until probably seven or eight years ago, but I feel and sort of very much feel like an introvert in that I love being social and I love people and I'm passionate about my work and I have fun when I'm out in the world, but I do find it to be depleting. And the only way that I feel like I can really show up as my whole self in the way that I want to is if I really intentionally carve out time to recharge my battery and let myself be quiet um, and still. So I learned that years ago. It's something that I really prioritize and work hard to integrate into my life. And it makes a big difference for me. I love that blocking out on your calendar and, and really looking ahead. Any other great tools or tips that you use to stay organized or just look kind of more efficient with your time? Efficient with my time. I would I I would like to think that I'm efficient with my time, but I'm not so sure that I am. I feel like you're like your time right as any of those yeah. things. Yeah. I love a list. I absolutely love a list. And then write I write it down or I, keep it in your phone. I write it down. I write it down. So I'll pay back to my phone like real time. So if I'm in a meeting and I see something pop up in my email that I I fear that I'll forget to respond to, I'll just jot it down in my phone. But then I get it out of my phone into a paper list eventually. But sometimes the list builds and then, you know, three weeks later, I'm finding the list about the lists. And so sometimes, you know, I think one of the things that I do not do very well yet, but I'm trying to get better at doing, and I've heard this advice from a lot of really smart, organized, wonderful people is that uh, just really, truly scheduling time, whether it's on a Monday or a Friday to actually have the time on your calendar to sit and go through the list, right? So it's one thing to make the list, but it's another thing to actually do the items on the list. So trying to get better about structuring that. But I also, you know, the obvious things like screen time, you know, I try to sort of be thoughtful about managing when I'm sort of on different platforms. I find it really tough to navigate how many different communication platforms we have now. So that's something I've I've been thinking about is how to sort of consolidate and whether it's as simple as like opting off of some and sort of being better and more consistent on others. So I think it's, it's overwhelming. There's a lot of, there's a lot going on for folks right now. Totally. And I think it's like, I don't know, for me, I feel like back to the to-do list, it's like, it's so easy to get wrapped up just in your emails and, and you never get to that list mm-hmm. where I, I'm trying more so like putting that list first and then saying like, I can come back to those emails and probably 90% of them are things that I don't really have to answer anyway. Mm-hmm but they just are sitting there being a distraction. And it's like you're answering and being at their time versus what you need to get done. That's exactly right. And then you're not really present because you're just sort of like, you're kind of all over the place and sort of, you know, kind of in your email, kind of in a meeting and trying to navigate all of it. I also feel like just sometimes, you know, just staying late and actually like getting through those emails one night kind of feels like wellness because it clears out your head. I feel like that's something that I've started doing is that, you know, and it might even be a Saturday morning, but I'll just spend a couple of hours knocking things off my list and it just feels really good. And then I'm like, okay, great. My brain is free. I'm not anxious. I can go have like a nice afternoon with my family. If I just sit down and get it done, I find sometimes spend so much time thinking about and anticipating all these things that we have to do and not doing them that sometimes just, you know, carving out the time. Back to the serene space, though, I feel like that was one thing that was really a gift of navigating working from home during that time is, you know, on those mornings or those evenings when, you know, I do want to spend a couple of hours catching up on things work-wise, I sort of like make it a moment, you know, make a cup of tea, like all, sort of all that. So it feels like just kind of intentional and sort of a little bit more organized. Those small things for some reason just make a difference for me. Yeah, totally. 
What does your diet look like? And and curious to hear what the food kind of concept or philosophy is at the well and then what you kind of subscribe to at home. I try to eat um, as close to a whole foods diet as possible. I would say that's probably, you know, I don't really, you know, when I think about diet, I try to focus more on nutrition and abundance than sort of like the rigidity that I think can sometimes come to mind when folks think about healthy eating. I, I feel like, you know, and that's really the lens through which we look at food at the well. So I try to just focus on all the really nutritious, delicious things that I want to eat and add to my diet for health reasons. And I just focus on making sure I get all of those in. So I really do focus more on what I add than what I avoid. There you know, are never enough vegetables in the world. I, I love vegetables and I add them to absolutely everything, breakfast, lunch, dinner, smoothies, soups, you name it. So I love salads. I love vegetables. I love cooking. So it's really fun to prepare food. I love really sort of spiced, fragrant food. I love cooking with fresh herbs, you know, and dried herbs and just sort of things that are flavorful and seasonal, you know, and I think it just sort of, it depends, but, you know, I try to, I try to not get too rigid with my eating. What do you think is next in wellness? I think there are so many exciting conversations happening right now in wellness. One of the conversations that I'm most passionate about and that I, I, I'd like to see be the next thing in wellness is really focusing on collective care. We spend a lot of time talking about self-care and thinking about how we care for ourselves. And I think it's really important that the wellness community also focus how we care for each other. You know, thinking about so many of the systemic challenges we face as a society you know, food is a social justice issue, thinking about food access, thinking about how we grow our food, where we source our food, how we distribute our food, you know, the policies that shape that and impact that. When we think about mental health and we think about these really, really big, important things, when you look at, you know, metabolic disease and the, you know, diabetes, type two diabetes and obesity rates, like there's some really, really big systemic stuff at play here that cannot be tackled on an individual basis. And so I think with all of this passion and interest and learnings that we have as a community and as a wellness community, I think we have to start applying that to systemic policy changes to sort of make wellness more accessible for more people. So I really hope that that is, is, where, we, is where we see wellness going next. And I, to that point, it definitely does feel like, you know, a, another silver lining of COVID is that conversation has come to the forefront more and really like the understanding of those root causes is so much more in the conversation than it was pre-COVID. Yeah, there really is. I mean, I think metabolic disease was, you know, became a household name, which was not something that many folks were really thinking about prior to that, or at least, you know, I certainly was seeing articles, you know, on an almost daily basis talking about the comorbidity of you know, COVID outcomes with, you know, these other illnesses such as hypertension and diabetes and different forms of heart disease. And so I think what we started to realize is that some of these challenges are really systemic in the U.S. And, you know, I think we were really good at treating symptoms and we're not really good at sort of digging into how and why the symptoms developed in the first place. You know, an example I, I once heard, I was listening to a really interesting talk at a healthcare conference where we were just talking about just the logic that we you know, insurance covers and pays for, you know, statins and cholesterol drugs and all the things that we need, but it doesn't pay for the food, the healthy vegetables, the, the foods that can help heal, right? And so, you know, if you're living with a, you know, sort of lower fixed income, your insurance is going to cover 
for the drugs once you get sick, but they're not going to cover all of these incredible tools that right. prevent so much of this. Right. Not they all never, of it, right. Of it, right? It, you know, so it's, it's just like mind blowing. Yeah. It's mind blowing. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And there's, you know, there's stuff happening. There's the produce prescription plan and medically tailored meals and some really interesting, innovative programs that are being discussed on a, on a policy level. Now, I think there's a lot of really, really passionate, smart people that are, that are tackling some of these challenges, which I think is really exciting. There's some great organizations doing really good work in this space. So, you know, I hope that we'll see a shift, but I think really COVID, as you said, shown a spotlight on this sort of baseline health crisis that we've been navigating. And then you know, mental health and stress and anxiety, it, it's literally through the roof in terms of like looking at the rates and how many folks are navigating depression and anxiety. And, you know, there's, there's a study that came out recently that was, was sort of talking about the efficacy of antidepressants in mild depression versus exercise, right? And in many instances, exercise is as effective or more but we're not prescribing fitness, right? Your, your, your insurance is not covering your fitness class. It's not covering your yoga class or your spin class. So how do we shift that, right? How do we have those conversations and how do we, one, educate folks on all of these different tools that can help? And then how do we also make these tools more accessible to more people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's starting with that education piece where some of it is free, like things like meditation. And I just read something too that was like do, doing five minutes of meditation for two weeks. So like substantially increased the happiness of those who were taking the the study. And it's like, okay, that that's something free. Five minutes, we can do that. Yeah. Right. But it, and- it's it's getting that word out of the effects that it has. And I think for people to really believe it, because you need to hear like clinical trials like that, that make you believe it versus hearing it. That might sound like woo-woo to some people of meditation. It's like, no, this is real. This is this a is real, real profound effect on the body. No, that's exactly right. I mean, you're hundred percent right. I mean, that was, you know, I referenced that example for Qigong. I'll send you some of the links after this. I mean, the body of research and how evidence-based the healing impacts on the body, these very, very simple practices can be. It's powerful. And these have been used in other cultures for thousands of years, right? This is not new. This is not novel. This is not like a thing that somebody in New York City thought of last year, you know? This has been used in traditional Chinese medicine since the dawn of time, right? Like there's so many of these, you know, yoga and meditation sort of dating back, you know, thousands of years ago. In India, it's like, these are like tried and true practices. They work, right? And so just sort of figuring out how to incorporate them. I do think that one thing, as you said, you know, meditation is free. I think that for a lot of folks, there's this sort of belief that wellness is like hard or daunting or rigid or expensive. And it can be, it can be all of those things, right? It depends on what belief system do you ascribe to? Where do you live, right? How accessible are these things? but it really doesn't have to be. I mean, something as simple as, you know, Frank talks a lot about mitochondrial health, Frank Lipman. He talks a lot about mitochondrial health and in his book, How to Be Well, which is one of my favorite books, it really sort of breaks down very specific tactile things that you can do to improve mitochondrial function. And one of them is walk outside barefoot, right? You know, maybe you, you know, talk to folks about earthing or grounding. There's like a lot of research of what happens when your bare feet come into contact with the earth. So during COVID, I was living in the suburbs with my family for a few months. You know, I live in New York City, but I, I left the city in those early months. 
And we use that book as like a little bit of an activity book. We're like, okay, what mitochondrial function are we going to try to improve today? <laughs> you know? And so like take a cold shower, walk outside barefoot. There are these little things that you can do that actually really have a very significant impact on your health. And so I, you know, that's one thing that I often talk to friends, to colleagues about is that it doesn't have to be big or daunting or, or every day, little or expensive. Exactly. It's these little, little small things that ladder up to big change. Something as simple as just getting outside in nature, getting a few minutes of morning sun. It creates a chain reaction in your body in terms of how your hormones work. You sleep better, you feel better just look out the window. You know, there's things that we can do. So I think making wellness feel a lot easier and a lot more joyful and a lot less strict is important so that it feels a little bit less daunting for folks who don't really know where to start. And you could also just start with sleep. Focus on getting to sleep. Exactly. Exactly. It's an easy one. I mean, it's not always easy to sleep well, but like just lay in bed and close your eyes. And that has such a profound effect. Exactly. And just, you know, prioritizing it. So many, you know, there's so many, we're so busy, right? We're so busy. We're all trying to do so many things, but just sort of the things that we value figuring out how to create more space to do them, you know, it matters. Totally. All right. Well, we're going to move on to some rapid fire Q&A. The best advice that you've gotten in the past six months? Definitely step-by-step. So I had this conversation with someone recently and, you know, it reminded me, you know, in the very beginning, starting the well, it really truly was step-by-step, brick-by-brick, day-by-day. And I sort of had lost sight of that a little bit and sort of thinking about our growth pipeline, where we're going, you know, we're, we're fundraising, we're, you know, building our, you know, seven-year financial plan and sort of looking at how are we going to do all this? Right. And I get so excited and so inspired and so daunted and so overwhelmed. And I just come back to that. So it's really simple, but it's just for me personally, it's really, really impactful. If I just focus on the task at hand and sort of take it day by day, it just, it works. So that's, that is my go-to advice. A favorite book or podcast for growth. I I'm going to have to say the Yoga Sutras. It is my favorite book and it is what I come back to time and time again. So I first read the Yoga Sutras many, many, many years ago. And I feel like every time I pick it up, I learn something new. So truly for me, personal growth is it always, I always come back to the sutras. Three things that you're currently loving. I am loving, I'm reading a book that my friend Anjali wrote, Anjali Kumar, and she wrote a book called Stalking God, which I am currently obsessed with. It is wonderful. So I highly recommend that. I recently bought the, do you know the simple modern water bottle? I am obsessed with this new water bottle. I was very much influenced by Tinks. I do not know if you- Oh, yes. And I do know the water bottle. (laughs) So I recently um, was influenced and bought the water bottle and- I have no idea how or why, but somehow this water bottle makes drinking water very joyful. It's just, I don't know if it's the the straw, the lid, the metal cup, but being a lot more water these days. So that is one of my favorite products that I recently purchased. And then let's see what else. I'm watching a new show on Netflix called Atypical that I really like. I don't know if you've seen that. No, what's it about? It's about a family. The, The main character, Sam, he is a senior in high school and he has autism. And so he's the protagonist and it's talking really about his um, sort of coming of age with his family, 
um, navigating high school, navigating going to college. It's really just so well written. I really enjoy watching it. The acting is phenomenal. Really interesting to see just all the different dynamics at play in the show. I'm just really liking it right now. Favorite wellness hack? Sleep. Always comes back to sleep. <laughs> I feel like it just makes everything better. Favorite words to live by? To thine own self be true. I feel happiest when? I'm in nature. If you could have anybody, dead or alive, come to the well, who would it be? Okay, can I have two? Sure. <laughs> Jane Goodall and Ani DeFranco. And why? So Jane Goodall is my absolute hero. I studied biological anthropology in school. I am so deeply inspired by her and her work. I've been really fortunate to meet her a few times oh, wow. um, cool. and, and actually got to trek with chimpanzees in Gombe oh, um, uh, National Park. So I, uh, it's definitely one of my greatest passions. And I just really, really am inspired by her life, by her work, but really her approach to problem solving. So when I, you know, when I first left my previous job and I traveled a bit before, you know, before transitioning, that was the first trip that I took as I went and I met with some folks that were doing work for the Jane Goodall Institute. And when I looked at her conservation efforts, how systemic she approached saving the chimpanzees or how systemically I should say. So for example, she looked at, you know, what were the biggest threats to the natural environment for chimpanzees? And it was deforestation, population growth. And then she kind of dug into the why. Well, why is deforestation happening? Well, people need wood to cook food or to build houses. Well, is there a better way, right? Can I plant a quick growing forest where those trees can be used, whereas the slow growth canopy with the protein dense leaves that the chimps need for survival can be preserved, right? So she had these really interesting approaches to problem solving that I found to be so inspirational. And I think it really shaped how I think about problem solving in the healthcare space. So I just think she's such a remarkable individual and, and a true icon and inspiration. So I would love to see Jane Goodall at the well. And then Ani DeFranco, I just love her music. She, you know, really shaped how I view the world at a very young age when I listen to her song. So those are two of my favorite people. And lastly, what is your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? I think for me, it comes back to diet. I feel like I, you know, really to feel my best, I have to focus on just nourishing nutritious food, just making sure I'm getting in all the ingredients that help me feel my sort of most energetic best um, and just really prioritizing eating nutritious food, but also just cooking because I think it just brings me a lot of joy. If there was like one meal that is your go-to that sets you up to feel your best and nourished, what would that be? I think probably some version of a veggie stir fry. So, you know, like I love warm cooked vegetables. I feel like plus some sort of simple protein and a simple grain is kind of always my go-to. Yeah. So hearty and nourishing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and closing. Where can everybody find you and any other last things that we haven't talked about? Well, thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure. I'm such a fan of yours and your brand. So I'm really grateful to be here today. And um, you can find me at, at Rebecca Park on Instagram and the well is the-well.com. So check us out, come visit if you're in, in New York City or in one of our retreat locations. And thanks for your time, Elizabeth. Wonderful. Thanks so much. 
Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.